Welcome to Tech and Color Podcast, a show dedicated to spotlighting the diverse stories of leaders in technology and business and their journey in getting to where they are today. I'm Monsi. And I'm Michelle. We are so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Aborde Ashigbi. Aborde is the founder and CEO of Four Degrees, a platform that aims to equalize opportunity by building stronger professional relationships. Previously, Aborde was a venture capital investor at Pritzker Group and consultant at Bain & Company. Since 2014, he's also been a mentor for 1871, an entrepreneurial hub for digital startups in Chicago. He graduated from Harvard with a degree in government. Aborde, thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. So to start off, it would be awesome to learn more about what you were like when you were younger. Can you start off by telling us a bit about your upbringing, family, and what growing up was like for you? Yeah, uh, so my upbringing bounced around a little bit, but uh, the family was a family of West African immigrants. So my dad is from Ghana, my mom is from the Gambia, so both kind of West African countries. They immigrated here in their 20s. And uh, and so as immigrants kind of land here in the U.S., one of the common things that happens is they kind of go from place to place in order to find their footing. And my parents were no different in that regard. And so you know, whether it was through schooling and initial jobs, we because I was born in New York, we moved to Ohio. And then now my family currently lives in Texas. And so that's where I say that I'm from. Although all of that bouncing around means I don't have the accent, unfortunately. Um, but the uh, movement to Texas and uh, I guess was really the place where I started to learn more about what it was like to be in America, for lack of a better term. Um, and Texas is a very unique, I don't think of the best way to describe it in a way that's inoffensive in today's current political climate, but uh, a unique place to grow up as a kid who looks different. Um, my parents always gave me a really strong sense for how lucky I was to be in this country and how lucky I was to have the set of opportunities they never grew up having. And so really instilled in us a strong sense of how important it was to work hard and the value of education. And so I uh, spent a lot of my upbringing kind of focused on the books. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I was always an athlete as well. So I was played football, which I guess probably helped me in, in the world where I was growing up in Texas. Uh, and as well, was on the track team, which I actually took over into my Harvard days. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it's great to hear about how much um, your upbringing influenced you even to where you are today. Uh, Michelle and I are both also come from immigrant families, so we definitely relate to that as well. To jump a little bit forward into something that you kind of mentioned as well, your time at Harvard, were there any specific college activities or experiences while you were there that helped shape your personality and interests and kind of guided you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one was actually being on the track team at Harvard. And so uh, I was on the team there for four years, was lucky enough by the end of my time to be the captain. And I think the biggest lesson I took away from my time on the track team was just how nonlinear like efforts and results can be. So track, particularly the portion, the portion that I was a part of, so I was a thrower, a hammer thrower. Uh, you can work really, really hard. And despite the amount of effort you put in, some small tweak in technique, some slight difference in how you position your body can make a massive difference in kind of how far the ball flies and thereby how successful you are. And so what we really had to learn was the willingness to come in and do the work every single day, regardless of if you felt great, regardless of if the ball was flying far that day, and kind of having a belief that in the long run, that should you kind of continue to put in the effort, even though you might not see it on a day-to-day -day basis, 
the outcomes would reflect themselves. Uh, and I think that's actually very similar to the world of startups. Uh, like certainly you spend a lot of time searching for product market fit and having a lot of customer conversations and doing a lot of work that on a day-to-day basis don't directly seem like they're translating into a massive outcome. But ultimately, if you believe and you want to do the work, good things will happen. Uh, and so I certainly attribute my willingness to do the work and grind in part to you know, my experience on the track team and also some of the struggles I had during my time in track. Um, outside of that, I think track also gave me the uh, I guess orientation towards being a part of a team and understanding what it was like to pick other people up in their moments of struggle and how kind of groups that can bond together around a shared objective can ultimately you know, build connections amongst each other in ways that are hard to replicate, honestly. Uh, and so that's always led to me kind of being a part of team environments and looking to find people who are kind of like-minded in their approach towards their long-term objectives. And so that's another thing that track certainly had a big impact on me for. Um, Outside of that, I've always been someone who's been pretty interested in issues of social justice specifically. And so uh, my time at Harvard, I spent a lot of work, a lot of time in this organization called the African Development Initiatives or ADI, uh, which was primarily focused on doing different sorts of development projects and particularly with that, well, African countries. So uh, during my time there, we did a microfinance initiative in Sierra Leone that I led. Uh, We also did some work around like building boreholes in uh, Ghana at the time. And I think the, the way that translates towards my current world is I've always been interested in thinking about how technology can help equalize opportunity and equalize gap and like kind of reduce the gaps in opportunity for people. And so I see four degrees in the long run as being a vehicle to do that. Uh, and again, my time in ADI certainly was a, was a driving force there as well. It's really cool to hear about all these different involvements and how a lot of them has have also shaped your path afterward. Like the point about team and human connection definitely kind of foreshadows four degrees and so does your work with social justice and advocacy in college as well. It's also really interesting that you studied government in college. So now that you are in a tech role and working in the tech industry, what was that transition like? And were you always interested in technology even back then? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is Certainly government was an intellectual pursuit of mine that I really enjoyed. And to this day, I still find myself reading books and articles and kind of being generally fascinated around topics of governance and political development and political economy. That said, I'd say the main thing I took away from my experience studying government at Harvard was the skill of taking what are relatively complex arguments about the world and how it operates today, trying to distill that down into like the drivers that those arguments then kind of essentially try to isolate and solicit, and then using that to construct models of the world, right? Uh, And I think of that as actually being somewhat similar to what I did at Bain, which is taking these relatively complex business problems, breaking them down to the drivers and the interactions between them, and then trying to figure out ways of helping people solve for problems um, once you have those identified kind of isolated drivers. Uh, In some sense, startup problem solving is very similar, ambiguous, complex challenges that people haven't had to face before. Uh, And so that skill set certainly has served me very well, even though it's applied to a very different subject matter. To your initial point, uh, when I was at Harvard, I don't know that I explicitly had an interest in like going and building a technology company one day. I was always interested in kind of ways of job creation and economic development. And that was part of the big reason why I studied Gov and Econ was the intersection of those two things. 
Um, and I recognized in doing so that technology was going to be a fundamental kind of driver of the way we employed people and worked in the future. And so I had an interest in technology as it related to that. Uh, but over time, as I became kind of more and more excited about understanding and being a part of the, you know, what I saw as like the true job generation drivers of the future, it was clear to me that a lot of that was going to be the technology industry. And so at that point, my interest even yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to hear about how there's so many parallels in different fields like government, consulting, tech. Um, and even though it seems like they're very disparate, there's common threads that tie them all together. Absolutely. In some ways, I think of the value of liberal arts education is like teaching you how to think, for lack of a better term. Um, and once you have that both thought process, ability to research, et cetera, you find it's applicable in a lot of different places. So now that we've heard a little bit about your early influences, let's dive into your career journey. You were a consultant, a venture capitalist, and now you're a founder. Could you walk us through that journey and what motivated you to be in these different fields? Sure. Uh, so actually even take a step a little bit further back. So when I came to Harvard, the thought I had in my mind was that I was going to study government and then go to law school and then from law school go into like government and politics. And that's the way you change the world is you get political power and then you make things happen. And to some extent, that theory of change is true. I just recognized for me, it wasn't the path I wanted to go down relatively quickly. Uh, and what really what made that clear was doing an internship at a law firm over the course of a summer and just realized I didn't like the day-to-day work of being a lawyer uh, and the idea of spending, you know, X number of years of my life doing something I fundamentally did not enjoy just wasn't exciting to me. Uh, And so I took a step back and said, well, the thing I did appreciate about the law and the way I was kind of learning was, you know, the practice of taking these complex like situations and breaking them down into, um, again, drivers, like the real problem solving skills. And I tried to figure out other places where that same skill set was either being taught or being heavily practiced. Uh, And at that time, I hadn't even heard of consulting as a thing. Um, but a friend of mine who was a class ahead of me had just finished up an internship with Bain. And when I described to him what I was thinking, he said, you know, you really might enjoy this. Uh, and so I got a chance to be a Bain intern over the next summer. Um, turned out I actually really enjoyed both the people and the kind of exposure to different sorts of problems Bain was giving me. And so I decided to go back after that and do a, a full, uh, become a full-time employee there. So I spent three years at Bain. Um, really broad range of topics that we covered. And so over the course of my three years, we worked on everything from kind of reorging finance departments at utility companies to working on growth strategy for bakery and consumer packaged goods businesses to doing, you know, a merger and merger integration for a large like industrial conglomerate, right? So really was like running the gamut of all sorts of different kinds of businesses and business problems. Um, And so learned a ton from Bain, met a lot of really phenomenal people at Bain who I still consider to be close friends to this day. Uh, But at the end of the day, like for me, like I said, always been interested in issues of social justice, as I mentioned before. And the idea of helping large Fortune 500 companies, like essentially kind of move on the margin slightly was a lot less exciting to me than like figuring out how I could be a part of organizations that were dynamic and were going to create the jobs of the future. And so that's what led me more towards kind of spending more time in technology and specifically in venture. Uh, and so while I was working at Bain, I actually started to spend a bunch of my free time with local startups at the time I was in the LA area. And so I worked with like two or three in my free time, uh, just trying to figure out how I could take the skill set I was building and consulting and apply it towards the means I was more interested about. Um, and so spent a bunch of that time, kind of confirmed that interest for me. 
And then from there, it was a question of whether I tried to jump in and work at a startup directly or whether I wanted to get the opportunity to go invest in the companies instead. And fundamentally, I wasn't able to find a company at that time that I was so personally passionate and excited about to want to make the leap to jump into a specific role full time and was lucky enough to get an opportunity to become an investor. So I made the leap, worked at a fund in Chicago for three years called Pritzker Group, as you mentioned. Uh, phenomenal experience, learned a ton about kind of early stage technology companies and technology building, built a really good network there. Uh, and then the combination of both that experience being heavily relationship driven and helping me recognize that there weren't really products and tools that helped me understand or help the team understand how you could use that network um, mixed with, again, that same sort of drive towards building a product to help people organize, leverage, and ultimately take advantage of the most important source of professional opportunity, which is their relationship network, is what led me to make the leap alongside my co-founder to go build Four Degrees. So that was the journey. Wow, that's awesome. It sounds like you had a lot of very diverse experiences early on in your career. Personally, something that I'm kind of nervous about is not knowing when it's time to take the leap and try something new in my own career. So there might be a situation where you're comfortable, but maybe not learning as quickly in a particular role. How did you know when it was time to switch jobs and industries and what was your decision-making process? Yeah. In most cases, I kind of took more of a regret minimization framework, which is an old, uh, I guess, an old framework used by Jeff Bezos, which is if you look backwards in your life, you know, 30, 40 years from now, um, how do you minimize the regret you're going to have in terms of the life that you've led? And I think that leads towards, you know, at least led towards me taking opportunities that were closer aligned with my own passion and interests than things that could have led to a comfortable life for me. Like I could have very easily kind of run down the path of just being a lawyer. And like, to some extent, eh, not totally true, but to some extent, it's like a relatively predictable career. Same is true of consulting venture, not as much, but at the time I certainly had a little bit more runway in the venture role that I was in. I didn't necessarily need to leave at that time, but at each of those points, I tried to make the decision that felt like I was going to regret the least when I look back at my life in the long run. And so that was a huge driver for me. The other thing I would say, and this is probably true of a lot of the listeners, I think it was true for me at the time, is I think it's really easy to overstate the amount of risk that you take when you move from thing to thing. And I think that's usually because it's new and most people don't like to do new and risky things. And so it becomes really easy to say, ah, you know, it's not that prudent to do that or I'm going to do that later. When in fact, I think the floor for you and the floor for me is probably a lot higher than you would have envisioned, right? So if I'm being realistic for a moment, let's say there's a world in which, you know, unfortunately my company doesn't work out the way I'd like it to. I still believe I'd probably be able to go out and get a decently good job, right? And be able to make good money and support my family and like do something I'd be excited and proud of. And so if that's like the downside case, then why not shoot for the upside case, right? That's a really good systematization of this whole um, thought process. Because I definitely think that for me personally, and I think a lot of other people, I'm like sometimes kind of risk averse. So putting it into the context of regret minimization and acknowledging that a lot of the times we overstate risks is a really good way to push yourself to do things that are kind of out of your comfort zone, but could be very high reward. And it seems like that definitely came into play when you started Four Degrees. And you hinted at this a bit earlier about how working at Pritzker Group helped you realize the importance of building relationships. Um, So could you talk a bit about how you would describe Four Degrees and what its product and mission is? Yeah. So the way I would describe Four Degrees as a product is a product that plugs into email and calendar and a bunch of other communication tools. Uses that to get an understanding of who you and your team are connected to today. So the set of folks you're engaging with, communicating with, et cetera. We then apply a bunch of technology on top of that that's meant to essentially give you or a customer back three things. 
That's the product that we built. Uh, it lives on the web. We also have a set of Chrome extensions and Outlook add-ins and mobile apps. Um, and we built that in service of a broader mission, which you kind of highlighted up front, which is we think fundamentally the most important asset any professional has or any team has is the network of relationships that surrounds them. That relationship network is going to be the primary source of job opportunities that come your way, promotion opportunities, sales you're able to make, investment opportunities to come across into the world I was in before. And yet, most of us you do that in a combination of Excel spreadsheets, sales-based CRM systems, or hyper-noisy places like LinkedIn. And so we saw an opportunity to build a product we wished we had that would help people ultimately kind of use that network to accomplish their professional objectives. That's a really cool product. And I definitely agree with your mission and how having this network is so important for, for life. Was there a, a particular moment that led you to realizing the, the need for this kind of tool that catalyzed you to start Four Degrees? You know, I don't know if I can point to a specific flashpoint moment. What I can point to is essentially a number of repeated times where we found ourselves, myself and my co-founder, we both worked together at the venture fund together, um, doing a lot of hyper-manual work to around the relationship network of the firm because we all recognized its importance and yet there weren't really products that existed to do this. And so a lot of Excel spreadsheets, a lot of Airtable bases, a lot of custom developed products we tried to build ourselves. Um, a lot of emailing people who we thought owned a relationship to only find out this was someone who they met at a conference 10 years ago and had never spoken to. And so just a lot of wasted time and effort that one day I think led to myself and my co-founder looking at each other and saying, it just has to be a better way to do this. I definitely think that that pain point is something that a lot of us experience ourselves too. So uh, it makes a lot of sense that that's what led you to start four degrees. During this time of like figuring out your idea and actually building out the company, what was that process like? And what were some of the most impactful or helpful experiences while you were building your startup? Yeah. So beginning, we had this idea and we believed that there was an opportunity to do this to your point. But the first thing we needed to figure out was whether the world actually felt like they had this problem, right? So literally we had that conviction. If we went and talked to our friends, our friends would tell us nice things about how they had that conviction too. But uh, I think one of the easiest traps you can fall into as a startup founder is kind of believing that full stop and then going off and building the thing. And so we spend a lot of time doing customer development. So talking to a lot of folks and across a lot of different industries, trying to get a sense for one, how it was that they managed the relationship networks that they had today. And two, to the extent that they had pain around this, how that pain kind of manifested itself. What that helped us understand was one, this product is actually going to be really hard to do if we wanted to do it as a consumer business, but we wanted to go after it as like an enterprise or like a B2B company that there was actually some real opportunity there. And two, it helped us understand which specific industries kind of felt this pain most clearly and like how we would need to solve it if we wanted to solve it well. And so after probably 150 odd conversations of that sort, um, we went off and built the, honestly, the simplest version of it we possibly could and tried to get into people's hands to see, well, they said this was a problem. And if we gave this to them and like looked at their behavior patterns of usage over time, did they use it in the way that indicated we were actually solving a real problem? And from there, we saw enough signals in that usage to lead us to believe that, you know, there was an opportunity. Should we continue to develop and go against it to build something real and impactful? Uh, and so at that point, myself and my co-founder went full-time on building the company. Um, certainly a lot of twists and turns along the way. So, uh, team members who've come and gone, like different versions and features of the product we built and scrapped. 
but we've been lucky enough to make it fairly far. Yeah, it sounds like you guys definitely went through the entire design thinking process of like starting out with trying to really narrow down on the core problem that users were facing and then thinking about what the best solution for that problem would be. Uh, in this journey of building four degrees, um, are there any particular challenges or victories that stand out to you? Yeah, let's see. So challenges, I mean, the one that always will stick out to me will always be people-related challenges. And I say that because I think at the earliest stage of company building, like the markets can change, the product can change, and certainly the team over time can change. But I think the founding members of the team you bring together will have an outsized impact on what the company becomes, but also what the team and culture will be. And so we certainly had a few in the early days like swings and misses in terms of trying to identify people who were filling roles that we didn't necessarily know how to fill ourselves, right? So um, for instance, I myself am not a designer, I'm not a marketer. I had to teach myself how to do a bunch of things related to the business, but I certainly would consider those to be my strengths. And so along the way, we had a couple cases where, you know, we thought we needed, you know, skill set X or kind of mentality X. And it turns out what we really needed is person Y. And I think the process of figuring that out, the kind of tension that comes with that, uh, having people leave when that's not ends up not being the right fit, the impact that it can have on the team and the culture, or are we going to be ones that you know sting more to me than you know any product that we made that went slightly left or something like that? Uh, and so those would probably be the bigger challenges in my head. Um, but certainly accompanied by a number of different victories, right? I think first any company that makes it even as long as we have, we've been around for about three three and a half years. Like the vast majority of startups don't make it that far. To some extent, that's a victory of its own. Um, but kind of more seriously, uh, I think for, for us, it's usually the things we celebrate most heavily are the wins that our customers have or that our users have as a result of using our product. And so us going from you know, zero customers to one customer was, of course, massive. Um, when we crossed over 100 customers, that was great. When we crossed over different like revenue kind of targets we as a team that we had, those were all really big victorious moments. Um, and then we've been able to kind of validate that with some fundraising around the company as well. That's also all really helped. And so uh, the things I value most and care most about are going to be how is our team progressing and how is our company and how is our uh, customers progressing? But uh, certainly funds will help us do either one of those two things don't hurt either. It's really inspiring to hear about that and how there are a lot of challenges, but also all these milestones. And after three and three and a half years, the company's doing great and has a lot of potential for the future. Something our podcast hopes to focus on is also the issue of identity and diversity, especially in these worlds of business and technology. So for you personally, how has being a Black man shaped your experiences as a leader in these fields? And is there any advice you would give to your younger self on how to overcome any challenges you may have faced along the way? Yeah, I would say being a Black man is an integral part of my experience, right? To some extent, I don't know what it's like to not be in the skin. Uh, and to, so to some extent, the one of the challenges that comes with that is like a level of uncertainty, right? So sometimes when you're treated ways that you don't think you deserve or that you don't expect, like one of the questions that's always in the back of your head is, is this the reason I'm being treated this way because of the color of my skin or the way I present myself? And if I could A-B test the world and identify, you know, exact same person, exact same profile, um, but with a different skin color or a different like visual presentation, would that change how I was treated in the scenario or the outcomes that I've had? And so that certainly is something that's always in the back of my head. Uh, I do think it's also shaped a level of you know, empathy that I have for others who don't present as like the dominant stereotype of the tech person or tech entrepreneur. Uh, and so it's led to a team that I think is significantly more diverse than you would expect of companies of our stage. 
has allowed us to attract, I think, talent that would otherwise be, you know, less excited to work in other domains as well. I think has led us to develop a product that's probably more, I guess, mindful of different sorts of people and the challenges that they may face in the world and their own kind of proclivity to kind of relationship building and relationship management. And I think, you know, a product built by a monoculture might be. And so those are all kind of things I think that directly played into the, this experience that we created as a company. Uh, in terms of advice I'd have for myself, I think, Probably the biggest is to run your own race. Like at the end of the day, like you can't do much about the fact that you are a black man. In fact, I love my culture. I love um, all the things that come with it. And so despite the fact you're going to face situations that are going to be unfair and they're going to be kind of symbols of racial injustice, the best victory is success, right? Like the best revenge against those who don't think you're worthy of those moments are to continually prove over and over again that you are. Um, and so uh, that's typically the advice I have for people who look like me and probably the advice I have for myself. Yeah, thank you so much for being open and sharing your experiences with us. It's super inspiring to see everything that you've accomplished so far. One thing that we've also discussed before on the show is this idea of having a guiding North Star in your career where there might be something that drives you through all the opportunities that you have. Do you have something like that? And how did you start to discover your own personal purpose in your career and what you want to accomplish through your work? Yeah, uh, so I think my North Star very much starts from maybe the origin story you began with, like my background, which is when I think about my own parents who came here to the US, US with essentially nothing, right? Uh, and who, through really hard work and navigation of really difficult circumstances, managed to give me, you know, some some shot at the American dream or something close to that, right? And so I see uh, the work that I do today, how hard I work, what I'm trying to create, as to some sense, in some sense, being a little bit of a monument to the sacrifice that they've made, and a, I don't know, there is a old. Is like an old track athlete, Prefontaine, who's like a well-known like distance runner. And they always asked him essentially why he worked so hard or why he kind of essentially always put himself on the line in every single race. And he basically what he said was to do anything less would be to sacrifice the gift, right? And so I think of, of me not going as hard as I can at building something special and doing something for other people as kind of sacrificing the gift if I didn't. And so that probably is the North Star that drives a lot of the work that I do. Uh, I think related to that is, I mentioned before, I've always had a passion around social justice and like economic development and job creation. And so I think building companies is an opportunity to, to have a direct hand in the creation of new opportunities for a lot of people. And ideally through products like ours, be able to even magnify that and amplify that. Your point about not sacrificing the gift um, definitely resonates because I feel like it's very easy to forget how how lucky we are in all these different circumstances. And so it's really cool to hear that that is one of the driving things that motivates you throughout your career. We've also touched a lot on this whole notion of human connection, whether in the context of your team at work or your track team during college. And considering that Four Degrees is a product built around human connection, do you have any advice on building a network and managing your own personal and professional relationships? What advice would you give to listeners on how to build a network? The first thing I would say is just to follow your own interests and passions. I think a lot of great professional relationships are 
formed around common areas of interest and expertise or uh, passions. And so I think, for example, if everyone or the folks who are listening to this who are all kind of deeply into different dom- different domains in computer science, I think the folks who are similarly excited about those things as you are folks who makes a lot of sense to spend real time with um, and who hopefully you vibe with and you can learn a lot from um, and who over the long run uh, become really strong connections of yours. And so the first is to dive as deeply into the things you're excited about as possible and find others who kind of resonated in those same things as you do. I also think it's important to, even though you have your own specific interests and passions, to make sure you explore a bit as well. And so to not allow yourself to only understand one domain, I find that the people who are most either interesting and oftentimes have a lot of really massive impact on the world are folks who can bring multiple different domains together. And so there's value in kind of having both kind of the understanding of those domains, but also the networks that come from being a part of those different domains as well. Um, once you started to build those networks through finding people who are interested in a lot of the same things as you are, you know, it's helpful to have some sort of regular cadence of engagement with those folks. And so whether that's like a quarterly call you put on the calendar with your friends to when you're flying to their city, getting an opportunity to spend some time together to reading an article and having it remind you of someone who's interested in that same topic and sending it their way. I think the kind of underpinning truth is finding some way to make that relationship real and kind of maintain it over time and ideally do so in a way that's authentic. Uh, And so those articles being in the same place together, I think are good examples of that. Yeah, that's some great advice. And I think it's definitely stuff that I'll carry with me as well. I think even looking back at the things that I remember from what people have done for me, it's those little things that really make you feel something. It's been incredible learning more about how you've gotten to where you are. As a way to wrap up this conversation, we were hoping to also get to know a little bit more about you outside of your career. Would you be down for a couple of quick choir questions? But you got, let's do it. Okay, so first off, what's your favorite hobby? How do you unwind after work? Yeah, uh, so this is probably a function of kind of being an athlete for a lot of my time, but still uh, like working out. And so uh, I try to find some time every day to do something physical. And I find that, you know, I'm a much better person when I get a chance to do that. And when I'm not, then I can very easily kind of feel myself getting wound up a bit. The gym is big for me. And then you you only ask one favorite, but I'd also add reading as a second. Do you have a favorite quote? Oof. Um, it's probably just seize the day. I try to take every day and live it as my last because you never know when it might be, unfortunately. That's great. Um, what is the best thing that, that has happened to you this month? This month? We signed one of the biggest customers in Puerto Rico's history this month. And so that was huge. That is awesome. Huge congrats on that. Finally, what is your favorite book? You mentioned you're a huge reader. Favorite book? Probably Team of Rivals. It's a biography of Abraham Lincoln. And specifically, it's about his kind of upbringing and how he's someone who's like probably the definition of or something close to the definition of like a self-made person. So grew up incredibly poor, like very volatile family situation, managed to become an incredibly well-read, like very smart person. But not only that, they learned how to usually build really strong relationships with people who had every reason to hate him and dislike him to the point where his cabinet during the Civil War was full of people who were all former political rivals who all decided to team up and join forces with him because they recognized the caliber of person that he was. That's awesome and definitely something that we will be adding to our reading list. Thank you so much, Avlorde, for being here. It was amazing to speak with you today and we're so excited to see where Four Degrees grows and what you do next. 
Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm excited to see where y'all end up as well. 